I'm travelling the country to find out for myself. Include the word halal on their shop front. There's no evidence halal certification money is funding terrorism. Not be given an immigrant visa. We need to boycott. Halal stuff sure sounds pretty scary. He is a threat, but he's not a threat, but he could be a threat. People see it as simply anti-Islam. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Peace be upon you to the Keeping It Halal podcast. We are thrilled to have you back this week where we're going to be talking about some really interesting developments. With me here in the studio, as usual, is my dear friend Imam Ahmed. Imam, how are you? I'm doing very well. Assalamu alaikum and peace be with you. Peace be with you as well, my brother. Um, we got lots to talk about today. Exciting. Yes, yes. Let's talk about this country that we're in, Canada, and what are the various different you know, Muslim communities are doing across the country, especially as it relates to this concept that we keep hearing about over and over, that Muslims are loyal to their Muslim countries. Uh, this is an assertion that comes up. It often gets made. I want to get to the bottom of this. I'm sure you do as well. Yes, have sure. you heard this before? Of course, I have heard it many times. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, sometime I feel that this is a this is a very important question that we need to address uh, as a Muslim community. And to be honest with you, there are not many Muslim groups out there uh, showing the intent that they are loyal to this country. Exactly. They are uh, contributing to the country and they are integrated and they want to uh, help the society and they want to improve the society. Yeah, and you know what? It'd be it'd be worth trying to understand if there is merit to this argument. But, you know, we also have another really, really interesting development that's taking place that we're eager to talk about is this whole controversy with a Roseanne Barr with her show Roseanne on ABC, which just got canceled. And also Samantha B, which, to be honest with you, I didn't think she was as as big of a household name until she made this extremely derogatory comment about Ivanka Trump. And now it's become this big global story about freedom of speech and racism and and everything else that is just kind of becoming such a visceral thing in the american culture yeah truly i think both the both in both the cases they cross the line and you know we live in a society where we need to respect each other's sentiment and uh, we uh, we need to draw a line that if we say this, if it, it's going to hurt the feeling of other, then we must not say it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, especially with what's happening in NBA, game one of the NBA final and J.R. Smith has become the household <laughs> name for... What a blunder. What a blunder. Um, talking about blunders or lack thereof, I guess we're also paying close attention to what's happening with this whole Korean summit. Um, and last but not least, we're going to talk a little bit about Ramadan because we are still in Ramadan and uh, we've just crossed the halfway point um, with still another roughly 13, 14 fast to go. So with that said, we're going to take a quick break and go to our sponsors for this episode. This episode is brought to you. This episode has been brought to you by another episode. No sponsors. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that said, let's jump right in. Imam, you know, I remember when uh, it was a few years ago. In uh, Vaughan, Ontario, there's a major community center called Tahir Hall. And there was a very large Muslim for Team Canada hockey celebration which took place. And it was actually broadcasted live across Canada during 
the final game of US versus Canada. So a lot of people know that arena as a result of that. And there are other events. For instance, I've been part of many Canada Day celebrations. I've been part of many uh, Remembrance Day celebrations. Those are generally happy moments where we celebrate Canada Day and other important Canadian events. I've also, and I know you were in Ottawa when the um, attack took place at Parliament Hill. That is right. I, I, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, we were at, really at the forefront when this unfortunate attack took place at the very heart of our democracy. This guy just ran into Parliament with a with a loaded weapon. Loaded weapon. And and, uh, and yeah. also, you know, we, recently we had the van attack take place. There was the Humboldt Broncos tragedy. So there's happy times and there's sad times. Um, generally speaking, at least I was of the opinion that Muslims participate with Canada during happy times and sad times or are their shoulder to shoulder. But there's still this feeling that Muslims do not partake in uh, what is so important in events that are important to Canadians and that they care more about what's happening in Middle East or what's happening in Asia or what's happening in Northern Africa. You know, there's this common um, narrative that uh, Muslims are not loyal to Western countries that they live in, or non-Muslim nations. Uh, you know, uh, I'll go back to the 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 religion when it was founded by the Prophet, peace and blessing of God be upon him. You know, he had a very tough time in Mecca, where he uh, was born and raised, and after he became, you know, he announced himself as a prophet of God, a very. Uh, he was very much persecuted along with his followers. My understanding and, is that you know things were generally fine, but once he made that declaration, yes, things uh, really got uh, you know bad for him and for the community at large. And then he had to migrate. So he was forced to actually migrate. Yes, he was forced away. to migrate away from his hometown where he was born. His forefather lived there for centuries. Mm-hmm. Now, when he moved to Medina. All his loyalty... Which was an entirely different city. Exactly, an entirely different city. And all of his loyalty, all of his hard work was for Medina. And not only that, he also advised his followers that I, when I die, I be buried in this city. So this is the kind of loyalty and respect he showed to the city where he resided. and uh, That gave him freedom. Exactly. He could practice his faith. He was able to... Uh, live with other faith communities as well. Um, you know, so it wasn't like he migrated to a Muslim city. There was no Islam at the time, and it was other faiths that were living there. I mean, yes, we have his example, but why is it that in the West, um, we don't see that example um, reciprocated? I think it's lack of leadership. Uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, is uh, founded by Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Afghadian, uh, peace be upon him. And his main objective of founding this community was to bring Muslim back to the original teachings of Islam. And that's why you see uh, great leadership in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And whenever there are times of sorrow, times of difficulties, we are always there to participate and show our presence that, look, yes, we, we, were, we might be born in a different country, but we come here to Canada and Canada has given us everything. And we appreciate that, and we not just appreciate it with words, but with our actions as well. 
And that's why you see in Ahmadiyya Muslim community at different forums, different levels, uh, whether it's jubilation and times of difficulty, we celebrate with Canadians and and we, we call ourselves proud Canadians. And that is to follow the example of the Prophet. Yeah, and the example that you articulated very clearly that, you know, while Mecca is this holy city where the Kaaba is located and it's revered. It's the holiest Muslim, city. It's the holiest city. And, and of course, it was very holy to the Prophet as well. And despite that, he had very deep endearment and love for Medina, which is another entirely different place. But it gave him refuge. It gave him a place to openly and freely practice his faith. Um, and he spoke about that. And he spoke about why the love for this place is so important. So, you know, and this is where I'm trying to get to the bottom of is that is it a fair assessment by the public at large um, or not just necessarily even public, but sometimes the media or other commentators that Muslims do not participate in our events uh, of both jubilation and tragedy? For instance, I know you were very much present at the uh, following the Toronto van attack, which was a major national tragedy. You look at the whole attack and how it was unfolded and how people responded, the whole city responded. We can simply say that it's only lack of leadership uh, from uh, the Muslims uh, in general. We are the only Muslim community who were there and, uh, and participated in this. There may be other Muslims who actually came and participated in the vigil and supported, but to come in numbers together and show their presence as a organized Muslim, organized Muslim group, that's not there. Mm -hmm. There may be, you know, um, a few people here, a few Muslims here, there, they'll be attending. But it's the organized leadership that is not there. That's why I keep bringing back to this point that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has a leadership in the form of Caliphate, uh, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed, who continuously guides us how to respond to such situations and it's under his guidance we we uh, we perform these tasks and that in reality is the essence of the teachings of islam but you know what i what i do hear from other muslims uh, and i've heard this who say that you know you just do this for sometimes maybe for pr or to just be present in the public eye for public sympathy um, I, I don't think that's a, that's a fair comment. We, we, we are not after public sympathy. Uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is uh, uh, persecuted in Pakistan and various parts of the world, and we don't go out there and do the same, do these things to get their sympathy. Uh, Khalifa of the time, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed, has continuously reminded us that our cases lies in the, in the, lie, in the, lie in the court of God Almighty. And we... So, we submit to God's will and we pray to God and we uh, ask God to help us. And it's not that we are after people's sympathy. It's not about PR. It's about showing what uh, the the teaching of Islam is, what the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of God be upon him, did in his lifetime. And we try to emulate that. It's nothing that uh, it's not a PR stunt. You know, there's a, there's a famous saying um, that I think is often lost Um among among Muslims, but it's very, very commonly visible um, at events of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat that love and loyalty to your country is a part of your faith. This is a famous saying uh, of the Prophet. Of the Prophet, that is right. So that's why we keep on highlighting these things and we make sure that we inculcate this in our youth as well from the word go that they 
they are part of this country and they have to contribute to the society and that's why uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association continuously organize many blood clinics uh, annual spring cleanups and on, on food collections food collections and all that uh, million pound food correct that's right and 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 you know this is just um you know such a such a low comment to make that it's anything to do with pr or any of that the reality of the matter is this is our faith these activities and many more during the time of happiness during the time of sadness and grief and during a time throughout the year where we can just give and contribute to make the country greater by cleaning up the streets by volunteering at um uh food shelters and 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 other uh, uh soup kitchen events and whatever we can do um, that helps make Canada as a country greater. But I know that Amity's don't just do that here in Canada. They do this around the world. Around the world. And uh, we have uh, a disaster relief organization. It's called Humanity First. And under that... uh, uh, humanity first uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community serves in various parts of the world um, and especially build uh, hospitals in Africa eye clinics in Africa uh, you know wells um, uh, in in Africa and other parts of the world so it's it's not about PR it's about giving back to humanity and um, you and know, having love for the people you live with, exactly. regardless of their faith and what what their nation may be, whether it's a Muslim nation or a Christian nation or whatever you believe, the true teaching of Islam is empower and strengthen the nation you live in. Exactly, and you know, uh, back in 2016, we celebrated our 50 years, and our youth in Canada, ca- in Canada. Yes. and we uh, our youth came up with this idea how we can give back to the country that has given us so much. So they came up with a plan that we will raise one million pounds of non-perishable food and we will give it to local food banks. Amazing. And then the Ahmadiyya Muslim community also uh, did a, uh, different runs in, in and continues to do different runs in, in different For, parts different of the healthcare yeah, health initiatives. Yeah, different parts of uh, Canada. And all the money which is raised is given to local uh, healthcare system. So this is how we contribute. And many things we do this they go unnoticed. And, and I think just like you said, it's, it's such a low comment to make that maybe this is a PR stunt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, talking about stunts, um, I want to take a sharp south turn and talk a little bit about what's happening. You can always take a wide turn there, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's a place where you, we can want to take a U-turn very quickly <laughs> and come back to Canada. But you know, it's, Every week, there's just some r- unbelievable um, controversy that that you kind of just are left scratching your head with. Very recently, we've heard about uh, Roseanne Barr, who was well known for her show Roseanne on ABC, which is one of their top rated, if not their top rated show, um, make very, very racist comments on her social media, which got her show canceled. Uh, All of her cast members lost their jobs. However, this isn't the first time she's made uh, racist remarks over social media. Uh, She has made um, religious remarks that are very, very anti-Muslim. She has made racist remarks previously uh, in reference to black people. And and also, just a few days later, we've seen um, Samantha Bee, also a prominent uh, personality on U.S. television, who has her own show, uh, made extremely derogatory remarks towards Ivanka Trump. 
Um, and this is these are mainstream shows. This is what's happening in your you know in the U.S. society uh, at large. Uh, this systemic issue of racism, of blatant disrespect in the name of freedom of speech. Yes. So these are two different topics. Let's talk about uh, you know racism. Um, unfortunately, uh, in America, we we don't see slavery anymore, but still they haven't really gotten over it. Every now and then we see comments being made against uh, African Americans and Mexicans, uh, Mexicans, immigrants, Muslims. Uh, you could Muslims, and you could s- really sense that you know they haven't really given up there's still many people out there who uh want to uh who don't want to see basically african americans mm-hmm. or immigrants or muslims in their country and and to be honest with you and they even look at them as a threat exactly exactly and teaching of islam with regards to racism is that god almighty says in the holy quran that oh mankind we have created you from a male and a female and we have made you into tribes and sub-tribes that you may recognize one another. Verily, the most honorable among you in the sight of God is he who is most righteous among you. Surely Allah is all-knowing and all-aware. So mm. that is the only um, uh, thing that you can be proud of, that you are more righteous you know, we, we talked about the founder of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of God be upon him. He really, you know, the Arabian society, racism was deeply rooted in Arabian society. It was systemic. It, oh, was, it was all around. Exactly. And, you and know. There was, and there was slavery back then as well. Slavery back then. Uh, and Arabs all. had black slaves. Yes. And and they would not treat them with, uh, with any kindness. Mm-hmm. He said in his sermon this oh, was his final sermon. Final sermon. And he said, Oh ye mankind, you're all brothers and are all equal. None of you can claim any privilege or any superiority over any other. An Arab is not to be preferred to a non-Arab, nor is a non-Arab to be preferred to an Arab, nor is a white man to be preferred to a colored one or a colored one to a white except on the basis of righteousness. So this is how he uprooted racism it was not just mere words he showed it showed with his own example you know uh, Bilal was an African a companion of the prophet peace and blessing of God be upon him you know how he used to address him Sayyidna Bilal our master Bilal our leader Bilal and Bilal was a slave at one point exactly he was a slave and he had to go through really really tough time in Mecca so this is how he had used to address him. Then, you know, the same Meccans who persecuted him, who, you know, dragged him on burning sand and gravel, and they would, uh, you know, force him to renounce his faith, but he would not renounce his faith. On the, when Muslim won Mecca, you know what Prophet Muhammad did? He gave the flag to Bilal. And he said, Whoever comes under the flag of Bilal, they will be pardoned. So with his example, he showed that if it's the same person that you used to persecute, now the same person will be uh, given an opportunity to, to forgive you. 
and those people who actually came under the flag of Bilal, they were part of this. So this is how he removed racism from Arabian society. And, you know, sadly, um, people have lost those examples. You know, unfortunately, sometimes we even see racism within Muslim nations. We certainly see it very prevalent uh, in America. Not, you know, and, and again, it's not a West versus East issue because you don't necessarily see the same level of racism in, say, Canada or even other parts of Europe. But it is truly entrenched in in American society. And somebody like Samantha B make this extremely derogatory comment and she's just as as she put it exercising her freedom of speech yes she's apologized um she used her right for expect uh, freedom of expression but then she apologized so that means there is limit to freedom of speech because when you apologize you know you have violated you've crossed the line exactly you've crossed the line so there are limits to the freedom of speech it's a, it's you know, it's a, it's a sad set of circumstances um, as we see prominent TV personalities in the U.S. Whether it's sexual Which harassment, have huge following, huge followings, right? Like the, whether it's sexual harassment, whether it's racism, whether it's calling each other out with terribly derogatory terms, um, they are, you know, it's. I mean, these are people that often are looked to as uh, as moral examples or models in in U.S. society. As uh, as as for instance, Roseanne is one of the most popular, most viewed shows uh, in America. Talking about America, you know, we talked about in our first episode um, <laughs> that uh, the Korean summit is. Uh, I bet you have something really funny. You know, I've actually run out of things to say because I thought the Korean summit was going to happen, then it wasn't going to happen. Now it is going to happen. Now there is this amazing letter that Trump received, but then he never actually read that letter, but then he's actually read that letter. <laughs> you know what? I think we've decided we're not going to talk about the summit anymore. Okay. Okay. I'm and, done. Until it. it happens. As long as they approach it with true justice, I, you know, one can be only hopeful. Okay. We continue to pray. Yes. And that's it. We're done with the Korean summit um, until it actually happens. <laughs> there is another thing that is actually happening right now, which is uh, Ramadan, as we just mentioned earlier. We are now officially in the second phase of Ramadan, also known as the second Ashra, um, and which means we've actually crossed the midway point. Um, so basically, it's all uh, um, there's less fast left than the ones that we've already done. In Canada, we have been doing. So this you camp- talked about um, uh, Ashra, the ten mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. There's one famous saying of the Prophet, peace and blessing of God be upon him, that the first ten days of Ramadan. Uh, is the mer- uh, uh, bring mercy of God Almighty. Right. The second set of 10 days bring uh, uh, forgiveness, maghfirat. Right. And the last 10 days bring salvation. So I thought perhaps I should just Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really important. So this way at least um, our listeners uh, can know how to align their prayers. However, for all 30 days... Of Ramadan, we're doing a campaign called Fast with a Muslim Friend. Okay. Um, as you're very aware, we have been um, doing this campaign to actually invite non-Muslims, also share these prayers with them, share us a meal with them, have a discussion with them in Ottawa, Calgary, even Milton, Ontario, Windsor, Vancouver. We have various different fast events that are organized. Um, I know even today, um, right here in Vaughan, Ontario, Humanity First 
is uh, is having iftar dinner. They're doing a big and iftar dinner. And just yesterday, we had um, I was part of uh, one fast with Muslim campaign, and twenty um, one uh, people came and participated uh, here at Vaughan at our uh, national headquarter, and uh, they came and listened to uh, the thirst, um, the 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 commentary of the Holy Quran. I presented. Basically, this was a presentation about Ramadan and how uh, Ramadan uh, fasting is also prescribed in different religions, and they really enjoyed it. We also had a Q and A session, and after that, they they enjoyed iftar with us. So, what were some of their concerns, questions, thoughts? You know, what what did you have a cha- chance to uh, to have a dialogue with them about yes. fasting? Yes, exactly. So, basically, they they appreciated this initiative. Many of them uh, first time uh, attended this. Uh, iftar with us and participate in this campaign and basically many were surprised that this fasting is not just about remaining hungry or thirsty for uh, during the day it's, it's not a hunger strike no it's not a hunger strike it's all about you know reforming yourself it's all about praying and also about thinking of those who are less fortunate and giving a lot of charity and so so they it's a they lifestyle actually, change it's a lifestyle change and it's uh, you know what i told them that this is not something you do this for 30 days and you forget about this and for the rest of the year no it's not that basically these 30 days train you for the rest of the year you know i uh, was just listening to the imam of the london mosque um, who put it so nicely this is london uk he goes these 30 days are as if your batteries are charging for the rest of the year Um, and you know fortunately the human battery is probably a little bit more powerful than than the cell phone battery so (laughs) you can charge it for 30 days straight you have enough juice to last you at least another 11 months and as your battery start to wear down um, Ramadan comes back you know I was in Windsor I you know a family hosted me and they had a kid over which was not a member of the community was a Muslim Um, and I saw from his face that, you know, he's really struggling. And I said, are you fasting? And he said, yes, I'm fasting. I said, how many fasts have you kept? He said, so far, all of them. Really? I think that's that's not good. He shouldn't be fasting. Mm. Um, you know, Buddha, he... When Founder he, of Buddhism. Buddhism. He, for his conquest, uh, or not conquest, for his quest for, for truth, he fasted. And he fasted for a longer period of time and when he was young. And then later on in his life, he just quit fasting. You know why? Because know. he kept fast at a very young age when, you know, in the latter half of his life, he became so weak that he couldn't fast anymore. Wow. So the same thing, you know, when kids fast at very early age, yes, you, they can keep one or two fast if they're 13, 14, but to fast for the whole month of Ramadan, I think it's 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 cruel mm. because kids need energy. They they are basically gathering and storing up all the energy for the rest and of their, their life. Are also exactly, as and well, they're yeah. developing, yeah. and they need food. So then let think, me ask you, what is the right age? You know, in the Ahmadi Muslim community, it's uh, the age eighteen is the age where everyone should be fasting. Mandatory, mandatory fasting, and. Uh, but it's sometime it applies in different cases. So if somebody is really weak and he's 18, 19, then he shouldn't be fasting. Maybe he should give it another year. And if someone is really strong at the age of 17, then he should be fasting. But the age, safe age is to fast 18 
at the age of 18, all fast, keep all fast. Um, but before you turn 18, um, maybe at the age of 16, 17, you should start fasting more and more so that you get into the habit of fasting for the longer period of time. Amazing. And thank you for that perspective. You and I are fasting right now as well. And obviously, one tries to preserve as much energy as, as you can. Um, but that said, we want to thank our listeners. We want to we want to continue to invite you to come back and listen to a new episode every week. Mom, thank you for that really interesting perspective. And more importantly, thank you to our listeners for tuning in for another episode of Keeping It Halal, the podcast. With me again in the studio was Imam Ahmed. I'm Safwan Chaudhry. Our technical desk is Nasser Ahmed. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week.